I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Succession is the name of a recent television series. It has just run 10 episodes, and a second season will follow. Now, here's the synopsis. Although he has no plans to step aside as the head of the international media conglomerate controlled by his family, Logan Roy is contemplating what the future holds. He has lingered in the limelight. Now, family members want to run the company as they see fit. Kendall Roy, Logan's eldest son from his second marriage, is the heir apparent. And as Kendall attempts to solidify his eventual takeover, he and the three other Roy children face a difficult choice as company control and family loyalties collide. Now, there's the question. Who among Logan Roy's children is the greatest? Who should step into the big man's shoes? Or, as it turns out, his slippers, as his mental and physical health are, are slipping. I know that the children's behavior toward one another is exaggerated for the sake of drama, and yet it's all too believable. And there's enough of a story to justify another season of the series. Who's the greatest? Who comes first? Janet and I spent a week one summer at Liscombe Lodge in Nova Scotia. It's on the bank of a, a, beautiful, a beautiful river, surrounded by wonderful forests, and along the, the top of the riverbank there are bird feeders. The bird feeders are right outside the dining room, and we love to sit and look out those windows and watch the birds. And one thing we noticed that at breakfast, the littlest birds were there. Don't ask me to name them, I'm not up on birds, I should have brought my Peterson's field guide with me. But we, we love to, to watch the little birds clustered on those feeders, that you couldn't see the feeder through them, while bigger birds were in the trees watching. And then at lunchtime, the, the middle-sized birds, including very aggressive blackbirds, were at those feeders, while the crows watched from the trees. And then late afternoon, by early supper or cocktail hour, all the other birds were gone. The crows remained. And the crows took their turns at the feeders because the crows knew that they were heavier than the other birds and only a couple of them at a time could go to the feeder. So the crows took their turns and then as crows often do, they all flew away together. And it was beautiful. At least at Liscombe Lodge, there was a pecking order and the order was clear, except maybe to the blackbirds, but the crows seemed to police them very well. Pecking order. Nature's humbler creatures, God's creatures, tend toward order, even if it's violent, but they tend toward order if humans let them be. Human beings tend toward pecking, period. We only want order 
if it's still possible for me to make my way to the top. Within a family like Logan Roy's, among the 12 disciples closest to Jesus, even in the church. Mark tells us Jesus catches his inner circle of disciples arguing about which of them is the greatest. And Mark reminds us that they don't understand when Jesus talks about what's ahead for him, but it seems they they do pick up on the fact that he won't be with them forever. Who will take over? Who will step into the big man's sandals? Now, they're embarrassed to tell Jesus what they've been arguing about, but he knows. And he says, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. There he goes again, turning our values upside down. We live in the world where the great scramble to attain greater greatness, where the rich, like the Roy family, fight for control of the greatness, and where even the closest friends of the Son of God want to know who's the greatest and therefore who's the least. And Jesus says more than once, if you want to be rich in heaven, let go of all you have on earth. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? In fact, if you want to get into the kingdom of God, Jesus points to a child, calls her over, and says, look. What's so great about a little child in Jesus' eyes and in God's heart? Here's what Frederick Beekner says. Jesus wasn't playing Mr. Dress-Up when he took that child into his arms. He was saying that the people who get into heaven are people who, like children, don't worry about it too much. They are people who, like children, live with their hands open more than their hands clenched. They are people who, like children, are so relatively unburdened by preconceptions that if somebody says there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, they are perfectly willing to go and take a look for themselves. When Jesus says, if you want to be first, take the last place, they're not afraid to try. When Jesus says, if you want to be great, go and serve someone, they go and find someone who needs their help. These are the kind of people Jesus says are fit for the kingdom and greatness. So when we stop worrying over who should come first and who's earned a place at the head of the table and who then should sit at the far end, something happens. Community happens. When we stop pecking at things and at each other, the gates to the kingdom just fly open. And yes, children argue over who comes first. Boys and girls have ideas about who's better than others and why, and we cannot hide from the harsh truth of things like bullying and physical abuse and the adult influences that lead children far too young into the battle for dominance and greatness. But still, especially when they're very young, the democracy of the playground can prevail. 
But they, that may be why Jesus looked for little children through whom the capacity to love and the need for love shine brightly. So remember, as I often say, the Gospels were written for and by a later generation of disciples, the first congregations of what became the church. And we can see in Gospel stories some of the concerns of those first churches and how they found answers from the treasure trove of stories of Jesus. New Testament scholar Margaret MacDonald has written extensively about the life of the first Christian communities, especially concerning the roles of women and the place of children. And from her research, Dr. MacDonald concludes that the early Christians continued Jesus' habit of turning the world's priorities upside down. And their attitude to children and their careful care for children was daring in response to this whole new order that they believed Jesus was calling them to live in the world. It was also practical. Those first congregations met in homes, homes large enough to host gatherings, homes where there was a family and there were slave families, adults and children, all present. Children were all around. And it seems that there were so many children in these newborn communities that they had to invent ways to incorporate them into the body. And in these churches, free and slave, men and women as equals in those first generations of the church, adults and children heard and learned and repeated the same songs, heard and retold the same stories. They worshiped together shared loaves and cups together without regard for social order or age. And Dr. MacDonald describes the first pattern of the Christian education of children. At home, they were instructed in the scriptures. In the homes of leading women, they were taught doctrines and household management. And in the houses of hospitable overseers, elders and deacons and bishops, they were taught how to pray to the one God. And Dr. MacDonald and other scholars of, of the era go so far as to say that the witness of children and the example of a fully inclusive community were, were instrumental, they were vital to the phenomenal growth of the church in those first two centuries. So imagine it, a church gathering in a home that's filled with parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and mothers and fathers in the faith, children, slave and free, parented and orphaned, they're all together and they're listening to a story that goes, Jesus' friends, including the apostle who first shared the gospel with our parents, are arguing about who is the greatest. Jesus calls them close, takes a little one in his arms and says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Imagine, imagine that. 
And so if you, if you want to find your way forward in the world, not just get on or, or get by, maybe even discover one of the secrets of greatness. Take a child by the hand and walk forward. Do you want to feel important? And maybe even discover how important you really are? Teach a child. Do you want to know what it is to be a family? Not just family, but true community? Honor the children, protect the children, love the children. And do you want a sacrament of God's unconditional love? Take a little one into your arms. Hold her close to your heart like Jesus did. For to such as these, says Jesus in another story, belongs the kingdom of God. Amen.